What if I told you this artist could put the moon in the palm of your hand? On this episode of The Cultured Podcast, we're talking to watercolor artist and graphic design extraordinaire Jessica Mullis, who drops the moon down to earth through art. Welcome to The Cultured Podcast. I'm Michelle Corey, and together we'll journey into the unknown reaches of the art world. Hello, my babies! Welcome back to the Cultured Podcast. We're gonna talk about art and the moon. So, yeah, that's basically what we're gonna talk about today. <laughs> We'll be talking to Jessica Mullis, a.k.a. Moondrop Jessica, about her stunning pieces that are watercolor paintings of the moon and oftentimes are wrapped in resin. So they are just like sparkly, beautiful little circles that represent the moon, which happens to also be our inspiration this week. I know it's perfect. I... I'm basically a follower of the moon. If there is such a thing as the cult of the moon, never mind, I shouldn't joke about cults because that's just scary. I just love the moon, y'all. And the moon actually in symbolism represents very feminine energy. And I talk to people about the moon a lot. You know, oftentimes I'm like, oh, wow, there's a full moon. No wonder we feel like this, like very extra with emotion or there's a new moon. This is a great time to start thinking about the new cycles that you want to create in your own life. And oftentimes when I'm talking to someone who doesn't really do the woo-woo thing, they ask me like, why do you think the moon affects you? (laughs) Like there's a lot of doubt surrounding how the moon actually affects us as human beings. But I have the same answer every time. If the moon can affect the oceans of this planet, which are just a little bit larger than one human body, that I'm pretty sure it would affect a human body that is made up of like 75% water. So just think about that. There's a lot of like planetary movements happening around us at all times. But in particular, this like very close neighbor that we have, which is the moon, has some direct impact on us. So the moon kind of keeps us in check, (laughs) gives us moods, gives us stuff to think about. I love looking out my window and seeing the moon. And there's something about moonlight in particular that makes me feel this sense of like euphoria and calm. And that's probably why I gravitated so deeply to Jessica's work, because she captures these moonscapes and she makes these like little craters on some of her pieces out of gold leaf. And there's something so magical and otherworldly about her work that sort of takes you outside of the minutia and the micro of your everyday and elevates you. Anyway, the moon makes me happy. And so I'm super happy that we get to talk to someone about the moon this whole episode. And then there are a couple other things that she's going to talk to us about, like, for instance, about community and how her own community has been impacted. But before I ruin the whole dang episode for you, let's get into it. Come on. Hello, Jessica. Welcome to the Cultured Podcast. Thank you. First and foremost, you know, why don't you tell us, the Cultured Crew, who you are and what your art form is? Yes. 
Uh, I'm Jessica, like you said, and I paint under the name Moondrop. Basically, paint moon-inspired watercolor paintings. I call them moons, but it's really just you know cosmos-inspired, otherworldly uh, scenes inside of a circle. Um, yes. It just I, it, it all comes back to the moon because that's where it started. Um, right. So I guess the easiest way to say it is just, yeah, cosmic explosions inside of circles. <laughs> um, I'm on board. That was actually a really great way to say it. <laughs> yes. Circles themselves being a shape with tons of imagery and, you know, the, the sacred geometry of a circle is really interesting because it represents infinity, but also like this boundary line that mm-hmm. um, has a duality in and of itself. So exactly. we'll explore that for sure. Your art name is Moondrop, Jessica. You started painting the moon. Um, when and how and why? Great question. <laughs> <laughs> I sometimes I find in my life, I don't know if you can relate to this, but I sometimes don't learn the why until sometimes many years down the road. Yes. <laughs> the impetus, I guess, we could start from. I had been told by... Um, I worked with a lot of different spiritual healers kind of in the last 10 years of my life, just sort of exploring my own self and purpose and et cetera. And a lot of them always told me, you know, they assumed I was a painter for some reason. Anyway, not to go too far down that, that kind of stuck with me a lot. And they assumed you were a painter. See, I like to go far down the rabbit holes. <laughs> so let's do right, it. So I guess when they're using their, you know, super magical intuitive powers, they'd be like, you're a creative. I'm like, yes. And they, I would say I'm a graphic designer because that's what I've been doing for the last 16, 17 years. Mm. And that would usually kind of take them by surprise. They're like, oh, no, no, I see you with a brush. I'm like, wow. oh, okay, well, that's not me. That's not me. You know, I don't, I don't do that. I had like a pretty hard delineation between myself as a graphic artist, and then maybe somebody who would be considered a fine artist. Why do you think that is? I think it has a lot to do with actually where I went to college and kind of where I uh, gave birth to my graphic design skill set. It was just kind of the culture there at the college that we were very separated. Mm. And so it just kind of, that that is just something I think that just stuck with me. Since I kept hearing this, you know, you should be holding a paintbrush. I, I didn't forget that. As life would have it, I was given a set of paintbrushes and watercolors from someone I was close to and ended up having kind of a tumultuous relationship with this person. And Mm. during that time of heartache, it it wasn't so much that I wanted to paint. I don't think I was like, I'm going to heal. I was like, I just want something else to do besides be upset. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So um, I just sat down with my watercolors and went down a few YouTube rabbit holes. Um, I don't know why I thought of the moon. I don't know if you're familiar with Elizabeth Gilbert and uh-huh. her book, Big Magic. Mm-hmm. But I honestly think now looking back two years later that it was like a magical idea that came knocking and I was open to it. Yes. It's almost like channeling, right? Yeah. It's like I was available to download mm-hmm. <laughs> that magic and I was in a really receptive place. It just started from there. It's funny how that heartache can kind of crack us open. Those mm-hmm. those tough situations in our lives can crack us open in a way that makes us way more receptive to things than when we are on our guard and have our barriers up Very because true. we're thinking through everything. When we are made vulnerable, we're mm-hmm. stripped bare, and all of a sudden it's like, well, what do I have to lose? Right. <laughs> That's amazing. So did you always have an interest in painting and drawing or art? Um, actually I, I did it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> super like surprising. I was more of a creative thinker. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was about 
19 kind of fumbling through college doing majors that my friends were doing because I just didn't know what I wanted to do. <laughs> so I, uh, I became friends with a graphic designer back in the late 90s. I'm old. And uh, was just Girl, you're so... only as old as you feel. <laughs> so I just, um, I was so inspired and excited by everything that they were making and doing and creating. And I said, you know, I said, I have tons of ideas. I just didn't think I could do anything with them. You know, if I could just learn how to get my ideas out of my head, maybe I actually, maybe graphic design. I think I, I just said advertising at the time because I didn't know what to do. So I walked into a community college and said, I think I need to be in advertising. Mm. And then that led to taking drawing and design, which I was terrible at. Really? <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I can follow instructions, so I always got good grades. But I wouldn't say that anything was like really remarkable to look at. It wasn't until I got into actual graphic design and you know learning how to get my ideas live on the computer and start making things that I saw that I had a I had a gift for that. So. Well, and you do. I've seen your graphic design work, and you, you. there aren't many people who work in branding, especially freelancers, who I actually think have the right skill set to create brands. And I just love your approach and your style when it comes to branding. What do you think it was about graphic design that clicked for you above painting and drawing? I think it just it helped me kind of land in my place. I think I really was able to walk into who I was meant to be on the planet right now. Mm. It gave me a sense of purpose. That's powerful. And I saw myself, I think, for the first time, truly excel at something. I felt like I, I had a place now, mm -hmm. <laughs> a purpose. Yeah, that's really powerful. And it is interesting how things come full circle because then you're gifted this paintbrush and watercolor set and you opened yourself. Right. Because, you know, it's mm -hmm. kind of like what we were talking about before. You kept telling yourself, I'm not an artist. I'm not an artist. I'm a graphic designer. Mm -hmm. And those voices are the only things stopping you from actually being an artist. Right. And when they got out of the way, guess what you became? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I still I still struggle with that. Like I talk about that with my partner constantly because she's always like, this is my girlfriend, the artist. I'm like, OK, hold on. <laughs> really? I, yes, I still still no. panic. I'm like. Oh, I'm like, don't show them my work. They're going to be like, what? Jessica, <laughs> um, you are I, on the Cultured Podcast. You are officially an artist. <laughs> um, I know that means so much. It's, it's, it's all too much. But, um, you know, I, I think I like to think also, I feel like I feel comfortable being like a creative. So I guess that's where I feel comfortable right now. <laughs> well, you know, being a creative and an artist is having to look at the blank canvas, which is sort of a representation of the fear that we carry with starting something new and the fear of failure mm -hmm. that we may carry and succumbing, mm -hmm. just getting over that fear and accepting it and moving past it. And oftentimes you carry that fear with you throughout a whole painting because the deeper you get into it, I don't know if you feel this way, but the deeper you get into it, the more fear you have of, of messing it up in some way. That's completely true. And um, that's something I actually talked about recently again with my partner. I just said, you know, there'll be, I'll be all the way up to where I think, you know, I'm almost done with it. And I'm thinking this is the most terrible thing I've ever seen. And then like all of a sudden there's these moments that come together and then it's finished. I'm like, well, that's amazing. Yes. <laughs> so right. yes, you're exactly right. The fear goes <laughs> to the end almost. And do those moments feel like you're taking a leap of sorts? Yes, completely. And I think that's what painting has done for me in general. I couldn't have planned it. I always say that if I could have thought of putting this on my bucket list, I would have. Just for, you know, what it's taught me and where it's taken me and the experience I've had as a result and how I can relate it 
to other parts of my life, you know, like it sounds super cheesy and cliche, but to go with the flow, (laughs) but that's what the watercolors have done for me. Literally, right? (laughs) Literally. Literally, figuratively. (laughs) Yes. I feel like I have to get out of the way of it, you know, like it's Mm -hmm. got its own thing. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I feel like I have to get out of the way of that. I love that. How did you get from somebody gifting you a watercolor set and a paintbrush to now having an Etsy shop where, you know, you scroll down your shop page and it's like sold out, sold out, sold out. You have commissions going, you know, Mm -hmm. you're really finding your pacing as a thriving artist, but there's a lot of in between between Mm -hmm. the beginning of that story and the present. Yes, I'm pretty sure it started when I decided to give it away for free during that initial period of kind of just using different color palettes with different kinds of moons in the early months. I painted a set of three moons and I thought I would give it to the person who gifted me the paint set and the brushes. And then I thought better of it and thought, absolutely not. This is ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Why would I do that? And then I had, you know, I was in Atlanta at the time and had been a follower of the free art scene that, you know, the hashtag F-A-F-A-T-L. And of course, didn't think I belonged anywhere near that except somebody who would collect pieces. Mm. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go out there. I live in Cabbage Town. Like, I'm just going to give them away and see what happens. And literally after that moment, people were messaging me, can I buy these? Can I commission these? (laughs) What? (laughs) So tell us a little bit more about this free art community. Because those who may not have it in their cities, you know, we have a really strong, tight-knit free art community here. So I'd love for people Mm -hmm. to understand more about it. Yeah. So the free art scene, what's wonderful is I feel like it's open to everyone. Mm -hmm. So it makes art accessible. And it creates something that the community can kind of gather around, rally around, artists, makers, whoever you are, you make your piece. You put it out there in the world, you use social media to kind of create a um, scavenger hunt. And then the, I guess the rules are is the person who claims it would comment and say claim. And it's just, I think, a wonderful way to connect people with art when I think sometimes art can feel kind of out of reach for some people, whether it's too expensive or even if it's the maker thinking I'm not good enough, you know. Totally. It's very much in the spirit. Mm -hmm. I love it because it takes you out of the more intimidating art spaces. You know, so many people Mm -hmm. can feel intimidated by art galleries, even art museums. And this takes it into like the local street corner, you know, wherever you bike by every day. And Mm -hmm. it's also, it allows artists like you who are just starting out to participate and start gaining an appreciation for what they are putting into the world. Absolutely. Through that, I was able to connect with maybe at the time what I would consider like my art heroes locally in, you know, in the Atlanta community, making connections that way with people whose murals I had driven by or taken a selfie in front of. That's super cool. Very cool. Why do you think it hasn't taken off in Dayton? The free art? Yeah. I think just lack of knowledge about it. You know, I went right for what I thought would be like the greatest spot for it to to come to life and it kind of just fell flat. I just needed to get connected, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So, and that's what, that's one of the things I've been doing. You know, I have some pieces at one of the local shops in the Oregon district, which is uh, the area that just experienced that tragedy. Yeah. Um, So I think it's just a matter of getting the word out um, and getting connected with the community. And like, how can I expect a community that didn't know me that I didn't know Mm -hmm. to instantly respond to this? That's actually something on my short-term list to to get focused back on and see if I can connect with other artists and makers out there that would be willing to participate. Mm -hmm. Speaking of Mm -hmm. that district and the recent tragedy, my heart really goes out to you and your community. And I know that 
my cultured crew feels the same way. Yeah. And your household was very personally impacted by this tragedy. Mm-hmm. Would you mind talking a little bit about that? Of course, yes. Um, so my partner, she's a general surgery resident, and um, she happened to be on call last weekend. We were in bed, you know, 1 a.m. The pager goes off, which is not uncommon in our life. And uh, and then just the, the stories just started pouring in. She went to Grandview Hospital, one of the three hospitals that responded. So it was just terrifying, you know, having her God. leave the house and go into the complete unknown. Yeah. Not the good kind. You know, it is the art district. It's the, it's the hip district. It's the area that anybody goes to when you want to go out in Dayton. So it, uh, and I was actually just there participating the night before at their art in the city events. I had a booth out. So oh it's just God. too close. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it feels really close, right? That mm-hmm, this, there's scary. just a random set of actions that shifted it by a day or whatever. Exactly. And you can't help but think about those things. Yeah, you can't. You can't help but think about those things. It, it feels too surreal and it, when it's other cities and then all of a sudden it gets very real. Thank you. Huge thank you to your partner and all of her colleagues for being the people who have to look at such tragic, gruesome things in the eye and do something about it. And, you know, they choose to do that. So that's we need them. And so thank you. So you responded in the best way that you know how, which is always through self-expression, through art. And so Mm -hmm. you actually did design a T-shirt for this. It did, yeah. So tell us about the design and why you chose to respond in that way. It just felt natural to me. Like, I, you know, what, what can I do to give back? I mean, yes, I can go and I can give my money and I can donate, you know, my heart, my hug, whatever is needed. But I knew that this would just be a way that I could, you know, directly give something and, and the proceeds of the shirt design could go to help those who were affected. And, you know, through art, I feel and hoping like, that act of love on my end will help, you know, others heal. For a good friend of mine who I go to the gym with just started, you know, her own at-home t-shirt business. And I thought this is perfect. I was like, this, you know, it'll give you, you're going to die, then you're going to be busy. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it's been great to see the response of people that want to help out. And not just me. I mean, like the community is going nuts over creating t-shirts and giving back, you know, a lot of the local restaurants are donating their sales and all the proceeds. So it's, it's a huge community effort. I'm just happy to be a part of it. How do circumstances like this that weave in and out of your life and leave all these different types of marks, how do they affect your art? That is a good question. I think that it just does keep me more open because it just feels like when these things happen and everything is just stripped away, well, you know, what do I want to be in that moment? You know, I just want love and beauty and magic and kindness in those moments, I think is when we can make some of our best work more authentic. It just, you know, it did open the floodgates for more ideas of just how else can I express how this makes me feel. Right. What you put out into the world through your art is so beautiful and feels so magical and ethereal and otherworldly that I imagine it's almost like an escape. It is. It is. You know, I feel like some of the pieces do feel like a magical escape, but I also you know, since I am a digital artist as well, I have played with making composites where photography that I've taken and then layering and some of the watercolor on top of them. And I end up making these like 
other worldly places. And lately oh, yeah. I posted one. I was like, I want to go here. Oh, Jessica, <laughs> I die for I the composites. Oh my God, <laughs> it's so, so cool. It is. It looks like a double exposure photography, which we did an episode about earlier. And it's it looks like the painted version of that, almost like a mountainscape mm-hmm. on top of like a moonscape. It's just crazy. It's mm-hmm. bonkers. <laughs> really it's beautiful. So speaking of that, we get to go into my geek out portion <laughs> of this interview, <laughs> which is process and tools. <laughs> so I saw an earlier post that you had that said that you have a love affair with watercolor and I've dabbled I've dabbled in a lot of art forms just because I like to just experience what these other artists go through and watercolor is an interesting medium tell us about like the challenges but also the opportunities of working in watercolor sure I think the challenges are also like pretty much the same as the opportunity Mm. I feel like I have a little bit less control over what happens. You know, when colors splash together, it creates something new for me to explore, which can be challenging if I didn't intend for it to go that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but right. also it can be like, oh, well, you know, that's kind of what I said earlier, how I like kind of let this take the lead. Right. You have to flow with the flow of the watercolor. Exactly. My biggest challenge has mostly been um, not necessarily working with the colors, but figuring out the paper. You know, paper is hugely important. And why is that? Um, different thicknesses of paper, different types of paper, and different brands of paper. They pick up the paint differently. Sometimes I feel like I'll get the wrong paper in the water sits on top of it, and there's other times where it's like velvet. So I think for the last two years, I've definitely been through tons of types of paper, and I think I figured out the one I love the most. What is it? Which unfortunately is the most expensive. (laughs) Um, I love Arches Cold Press. Cold Press. I feel like that's a Mm -hmm. latte. Can I drink it? (laughs) Exactly. Well, it just the way it handles the the paint is is beautiful. Wow. So other than that, what are your go-to tools? My go-to tool for just watercolor, it's just, you know, the watercolor paint, the paper. I sometimes incorporate gold leaf just for fun. Yeah. It's like gold craters is what it looks like. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I basically, if I have an idea, I go and buy the thing to make the idea Mm -hmm. come to life. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, it's pretty simple when it comes down to it. Paper, water, color. (laughs) And resin. And yes, and and yes, and then I got the idea to put these moons on, you know, wooden discs and then coat them with resin. And that just took it to a whole other dimension. And then you mount this resin moon, which just looks really, there is something about the polish of resin laid over the texture of watercolor and all of these layers mm-hmm. of paint interacting with one another that is then mounted in a shadow box. Yeah. So there's just like so much depth to your work. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty recent thing that I had started to do. I was just doing the moon despite in film and, you know, I'll just get an idea. Like, oh, I should try that. And I was like, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> More dimension. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> that, that's my, that's one of my favorite new things. <laughs> so where do you think your work is going next? What are you toying with right now? Well, um, I started toying with working with just resin. Wow. And um, I got my hands on some molds and started mixing paint with the resins and, and trying to see what I could do with that, which turned into me creating 
some mobiles. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, These are like your crescent moons that you were yeah. playing with. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. I re- yeah. They're just resin um, and acrylic paint, uh, which I have really have a hard time with acrylics. It's because I don't really know anything until I start getting my hands into mm-hmm. it. But it's actually got me interested in learning more about how to put things together like that. Not necessarily to be a jewelry maker, but I want to know a little bit more about how to work with metals and just how to expand my knowledge of working with other materials. Ooh, metals. Um, Ooh, I'm excited. I know. (laughs) I have a lot of things on my Christmas wish list right now. Yes, you do. (laughs) That involve fire, metal, and all kinds of chemicals. Fire. And chemicals. Yeah. Hmm, this is feeling more dangerous by the second. Uh, no. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm very interested in learning how to do copper electroforming as well. Um, copper again, electroforming. Like, what is mm-hmm. that? A lot of jewelry makers use this. A lot of people who do kind of crystal necklaces where you, uh, you paint the edges, and forgive my lack of total knowledge about this, and some sort of lead conductor paint, you soak it in a solution for a long time and it gives the edge or a bezel that old copper look. Mm, that's beautiful. And I don't know what I want to do with any of this, but I just I can't stop with the idea. So that's that's kind of where I've been heading lately. Well, that just means that we have to be looking out for your work and staying very <laughs> tuned to what you have going on. So tell us how we can do that. Where can we find your work and where do you want us to follow you? Sure. The most up-to-date is always on my Instagram, uh, which is moondrop.jessica. I do have a website where you can see things I have for sale, but I'm kind of bad (laughs) about keeping it updated. Um, Mostly I use it to post commissions for people to buy. Moondropcollective.com. Got it. There is a lot coming, and um, I can't wait to see how, the like, place. the resins and the acrylics and the copper, what'd you call it? What is it? <laughs> electroforming. Copper electroforming and the chemicals and the fire, what they all yield together. Yes. Like, no pressure, but big like, hopes. <laughs> right. Well, I feel like, you know, my process is not very sexy. It's like, I feel like I'm throwing spaghetti at the wall, and I'm like, hmm, does that stick? I don't know. <laughs> I think that's art. <laughs> See, you are an artist, bringing it full circle, no pun intended. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Jessica, thank you so much for talking to us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm honored, truly. It's been wonderful. All right, y'all. It's time for me to moonwalk out of this episode. But truly, Jessica is a doll and, you know, I, I just love talking to someone who feels so deeply and then puts that into their work in such a honest and direct way. So you know where to find her. She's already told you. And y'all, until our next journey into the unknown, you know what to do. Keep it classy. Keep it curious. Keep it cultured. Visit culturedpodcast.com for show notes and subscription links. The Cultured Podcast is a production of my podcast production company, Frequency Media. I'm the host, Michelle Corey. Ina Garkusha is our producer. 
Becca Godwin is our associate producer, and we're recording at the lovely Bravo Ocean Studios in Atlanta, Georgia. 